What's up guys, Rick from DFS On Demand here with your DFS preview for this week's Honda Classic. I will warn you right now, I have a lot of announcements, a lot of things to talk about. It's going to take a few minutes. So if you want to skip ahead to the DFS preview, I don't blame you, but you will be missing out on uh, a lot of info, potentially some new contest things that you can win. So I encourage you to stay. I'll make this as quick as possible. All right, winners from last week. I kind of threw up the bat signal because the week prior, no one at all left a podcast review. So I was like, hey, you could have easily won a week2dfsondemand.com if you were the only person who left a podcast review. A lot of you showed up, so I picked a handful of winners. Uh, I've got Main Streeton. Rory Rom and Nate Unzen. Um, I have reached out to you. If I have your information, you guys are going to win a week subscriptions to DFS on demand. Thank you for all the support. There is a way to win this week uh, and to win more than a week subscription. But let me remind you that Honda Classic Week is the week of the DFS Open. There are 94 of us, I believe, headed down to Florida for a, a golf outing. It's a lot of the Fantasy guys that you would know, Mayo, Feinberg, Kenny Kim, I mean, Barra, like everyone, like, right, I'm not going to name all 90 people, but it's a lot of people that you know, it is going to be uh, a lot of fun, uh, very much looking forward to it. So for that, um, I'm sponsoring a, a hole. So we put some, we put like a player's gift bag together. So a little bit of a spoiler alert here. Um, but what we did was, you know, everyone who was a sponsor kind of contributed something to that gift bag, or at least had the opportunity to. So I was trying to think of something that I wanted to put in there and had no idea what to come up with. So finally it hit me. Uh, and I hope that, uh, people understand what this is, uh, because it's a little space jam reference. So remember the part of space jam where, uh, you know, the Toon Squad is getting smoked at halftime and Bugs Bunny fills up a water bottle and writes Mike's secret stuff on it. And then everybody drinks it and they think they're superhuman again. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. I made a, a Tiger secret stuff uh, water bottles for everybody <laughs> because I didn't know what else to do. So I had these made up. Um, so those are in all of the gift bags. And then also inside of it is I know you guys like your... Um, like your logo balls. So there is a, a DFS on demand, uh, logo ball in there. So where I'm going with this is, um, I had extras made. I, so I'll have to check to see how many that I have, but, um, I will give these away for this week. So here, there are three. So here's the giveaway for this week's video. I'll give you a week's subscription to DFS on demand. And then I will, uh, I'll mail you one of these water bottles, Tiger's Secret Stuff, along with the logo ball inside of it. So there are going to be three ways to enter instead of two. So way number one, as always, here on the YouTube channel, make sure that you are subscribed to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. You like this video and comment below with which golfer you want to see in person the most. That's way number one. Way number two is on iTunes or wherever you listen to your audio podcast, leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice about the show, and then leave me a way to get in contact with you, Twitter, whatever, something like that, a Twitter handle just in case I need to reach out to you. Um, those are the normal ways, and you can enter on both of those uh, to, to increase your chances. The podcast one, obviously a lot easier to win. The third way. If you guys have been uh, following along, and I know some of you are, I co-host 
a CBS Sports Golf podcast. It is called The First Cut. Uh, we get a lot of really good content, and we talk not just fantasy, not just betting. We do talk about that stuff, but we'll do like recaps after rounds and recaps after tournaments and look-aheads, and it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it, and I think that you would enjoy it as well. So the third way is to go to the First Cut podcast on iTunes, leave a five-star review there, and just say something nice. Like, hey, oh, looking forward to listening to this. This is a great podcast. I don't know. And then just drop me, like, your Twitter handle or something like that so that I can pull out a winner over there and get in touch with you. So three ways. Uh, I highly encourage you to do all three. Triple your chances of winning. Uh, I will pull those uh, later next week when I get back from Florida. Final thing. And uh, I'm, I don't even know how to really explain, <laughs> explain this, but for the DFS Open, um, I made a fantasy contest. So <laughs> what I did was I went through and got everybody's handicaps. So there was a form that went out for all the participants in the DFS Open, put their handicaps together. I put all the teams together or all the teams were already together. Um, I lined up their handicaps and I assigned salaries to all of the foursomes. So for example, the foursome of uh, myself, Josh Culp, Ben Raza and Reed Fowler, I think we're like $6,300 if you want to pick us. And there is scoring that is going to be similar to DraftKings scoring. So uh, what you'll do is you'll construct a lineup of six DFS open foursomes because we're playing in a scramble and then we will punch in all the scores later and see who wins okay so that's the general premise i will drop all the information the links to the first cut the links to dfs open contest uh below but that's the gist of it and then what we're doing is it's a 20 dollars entry for the dfs open um contest right so it's 20 dollars. it's all going to the first t which is the charity that we are all raising money for this week so everything's being donated the winner of the contest is going to get um the dfs open player swag bag so whatever else is in there um that other sponsors have put together we're going to mail one of those to someone so you don't have to be a player to be involved in this um it's your chance to get a swag bag i've thrown in some other prizes like i'll give there's a yearly subscription to dfs on demand for um i think second place and then some monthly subscriptions for third through fifth like i'll send some people some water bottles so it'll be good it's a great way to raise money and it'll be fun to follow uh after the actual dfs open has been completed so Again, all of the information that I just spoke through will be in the description of this video or podcast. So go and check all of that out. But I think that's it. Uh, for now, let's now jump forward to Honda Classic DFS preview. All right. Honda Classic salaries out as of, I don't know. 30 minutes ago, we are rocking and rolling. I've got everything loaded in. I don't want to waste any more time. Let's jump right into this, and we're going to start with the key stats. So if you are new this week, welcome. This is a regression model I run every single week to find out what the key stats on the course are. This is different than when people say things like, oh, the winner usually gains five strokes putting. Yes, obviously, someone who putts very well and putts above their average is going to win a lot on the PGA Tour. This is a way to say, hey, uh, let's create profiles of golfers that have had success here so that we can go find the current golfers who match that profile and see who might have success here. It's a little bit more predictive. So anyway, here we go. 
PGA National Honda Classic. This is a difficult course. It is the fifth hardest course on the PGA Tour last year. I think it was only three majors and one of the WGC events that played more difficult. The winning score is very likely going to be in single digits under par, and because of that, it opens up a lot more of these grinder-type golfers that can't necessarily go out and shoot something like 20 or 22 under par. Uh, only once in the last five years has the winning score been in double digits under par. That was Ricky Fowler's year, let's call it three years ago. The defense around PGA National is uh, generally firm, fast conditions, along with water coming into play on a lot of shots it's florida golf baby this is the florida swing there are a lot of tee shots where you know sick number six specifically water runs all the way up the left hand side of the fairway if you miss the fairway i don't know two yards left three yards left you're wet uh, there is a lot of water that comes into play on your approach shots there is water all over the bear trap right the bear trap is 15, 16, 17, that three-hole stretch that plays very difficult. It's where this tournament is going to be won or lost. You know, it's very likely that whoever the leader is, wherever the final group is on Sunday, they're going to get to the bear trap and try to hold on. They will sprint off the greens with pars um, because it's going to play that difficult. So when you're talking about, you know, the winning score being even 12 under, which is probably lower than it will be, you're talking about, Two or three under par a day. That's all you're asking your guys to go out and shoot. So anyway, let's look at this. Here's the key stats for this week. Um, strokes gained approach ranked 10th. So what does that mean? That means that strokes gained approach is more is the is more important here than all but nine other courses on the PGA Tour. So there's only nine other courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained approach is more important. That's the way to read that. Driving distance. Now, once you get into, then there's a big gap because once you get into driving distance um, and driving accuracy, those are all like bottom 50% categories. So when you look at this, you know, the, the big one that stands out is strokes gained approach, which makes sense. Ball strikers have success everywhere, but especially at a place where a big number can crop up. If you are just a little bit off with your approaches, it makes sense that this is the key stat for this week. And let's look and see who leads this field in strokes gained approach. And of course, it's Davis Love the third. obviously. Um, that is, I think he only has four measured rounds, so don't worry too much about that. Uh, followed by Jim Furyk at $7,100. He gains about one stroke per round on approaches. Wow, I thought I said that wrong, and then I realized I said it right. Cam Percy is here. Uh, recent winner, Victor Hovland at $9,500 is here. And then Tom Hoagie, rounds out the top five i prefer a lot of stats like strokes gain t to green uh that is to me my favorite stat on the pga tour and then we'll go out and find hot putters later but you've got uh dv dv3 davis love the third hv3 harold varner the third are one and three and then eric eric fun ruin my buddy mark immelman told me how to pronounce that properly is second on this list then you get harris english and emiliano Grio. Um, my buddy Doc Redman here is in six. So these are the types of golfers that we're looking for. It's not a very strong field, to be quite honest. So let's jump over to the cheat sheet and kind of dissect this a little bit. There are only four golfers over $10,000. That's pretty rare. We usually see five, six guys. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood shockingly leads the way. I was expecting, uh, certainly expecting Brooks to lead the way here, but Tommy's 11-6. I'll be frank. That's a pretty... 
big amount to spend on a guy that's never won on the PGA Tour. And I know that you've never won until you do, right? Like, we always say, oh, he hasn't won, but, like, he's played great. Um, he's won on the European Tour multiple times, a handful of times, but a little bit scary to go out and get spend 11600 on a guy that does not necessarily have a great track record of winning on the PGA Tour. Uh, Brooks Kepka, who is probably the most volatile of these studs, considering he himself admitted um, that, you know, he's not 100% with the knee and his results are showing it. 43rd at the Genesis, his strokes gained around the green, his strokes gained putting have been brutal. He's losing nearly a stroke around in those categories combined at a place where you're going to need to get up and down for par and par is going to be a good score. That's terrifying. Um, I, I'm probably just taking a wait and see approach on Brooks Kepka at the moment, 11,200 Ricky Fowler. He's with flaws. You know, he's, he's going through these swing changes. He's 11 or I'm sorry, 10,800. He is the guy in the field. That's got the best tournament history sixth in 2016. He won it in 2017, missed the cut the next year. And then he backed it up with a second place finish last year. I mean, this is the course history that you want, but what have we seen from him? You know, he goes out at the American Express. He, he's the 50, 36 hole leader. I think he's 15 under par. He's doing that weird thing where he like picks up his foot, his left foot when he swings. It's something he's working on with his coach. Misses the cut at the Farmers, uh, 37th at the Waste Management. And then we just haven't seen him. We haven't seen him since the Waste Management. So it is conceivable that he's been working hard. He's getting his game into shape and he's ready to rock and roll this week. If you were asking me to play one of these guys for GPP upside, I think Fowler is the most logical one. He's the cheapest. He is the guy that has won here in the past. And he is the guy that I think in this situation, not seeing him play and having the long layoff is actually beneficial because he could have just gotten this all figured out and he could be right back at it. Um, I'm not super excited about it, but I think that is a, a reasonable expectation of Ricky Fowler. Gary Woodland is at 10-3. Gary Woodland is probably the guy here, um, you know, with, with the least amount of flaws. So 10,300. He's coming off the 12th place at the WGC last week. And if you ask me, hey, pick a guy who hits the ball really well off the tee and, um, you know, kind of grinds it out, you know, a, a, 12 under, a 12 under par winning score in tough conditions, who do you got? Uh, Gary Woodland would be on that pretty short list, right? I mean, kind of a similar thing that he did at Pebble where that requires a lot of accuracy off the tees. Um obviously for the U S open, everything was just amped up. I think he won it at 12 under par or something like that. So kind of a similar type of situation for this week. I, I really like the way that Gary is trending at the moment. The nine K range is pretty interesting. Um, you know, Justin Rose is here at 9,900 Louis at 97 Victor's at 95. Sung Jay is at 93 Billy's Horschel's at 92. And then Shane Lowry is 91. Oh, and Eric Fun Ruin. $9,000 flat. So um, let's look at Louie for a second. I want to pull up his player, his, his golfer's profile. <clears throat> all right, so here we go. So all of this is, is on DFSOnDemand.com, by the way. But here's here's Louie, who goes out and, and literally has a historic putting performance last week. He gained 8.8 .8 strokes putting, which, as you can see, that is the best tournament that I have for him in my database. Um, you know, the other, the other times he's gained more than 4.4, he finished second, 23rd at the U S open second at the players and seventh at the U S open. He finished 51st in Mexico. 
gaining the most putting he's ever gained because he lost the most strokes gained tee to green that he ever lost. That is honestly quite uh, scary. Uh, I'm willing to give Louis the benefit of the benefit of the doubt because he has been such a solid player all over the world recently. Um, we don't have it all here because he plays a lot on the European tour. But if you look at his um, his his worldwide finishes before last week, he had he had five top six finishes in his seven previous starts. He was all over the top of the leaderboard in Europe. Comes over here to play this WGC, has a historically bad tee to green um, week, but puts his ears off. Um, I am going to give Louis the benefit benefit of the doubt. I'll be a little cautious with him, but I I would kind of expect a bounce back um, more often than not coming out of Louis here. Uh, but R- Justin Rose probably is the guy in 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 the ninety nine hundreds um, or in the nine thousands. Excuse me, he's ninety nine hundred. I just think he's kind of the class of this field. You know, this is a field that's not particularly good. Uh, Justin Rose hasn't been great in his measured starts. So when you go to his measured starts um, over over here on the PGA Tour, you see a lot of red because he's he's lost strokes total, I think, in like, I want to say his last four measured. Yeah, here we go. But that goes back to BMW Tour Championship, Farmers Insurance, and the Genesis. It's actually been better than that on paper because he pl- he's played a lot on the European tour. He had a second place, I believe it was in Singapore. He had that um, top five at the Hero, which I know is only an 18-man field, but it's got a lot of the bigger names on the tour. Played well, so he played well in the Bahamas. Like I, I think he's actually been better than what his stats might indicate here. And, um, you know, he hasn't played here a whole lot. He, I think he missed the cut in 2015, but he has a couple of top 10s previous to that for Justin Rose. So he's probably the guy that I would uh, most heavily lean towards in this situation. Billy Horschel's a bit interesting as well. Uh, Billy's 92. He's coming off back-to-back top 10 finishes. Billy's risky, right? I think I think you need to know that with Billy Horschel. You know, there, the likelihood of him finishing in the top 10 is probably just as, as much as him finishing, you know, T67 or something like that. But two top 10s in a row. You look at his course history, you know, 16th last year, he had a fourth and an eighth in 2017 and 2016. Um, Billy's kind of scary because if you look at his player profile, it, it's it's all over the place. Uh, the, the positives are he gained nearly seven strokes tee to green last week at the WGC Mexico. And for Billy, who is usually pretty reliant on his putter, uh, he wasn't as reliant last week. He still gained three shots putting. He's a very good putter, but like, you sometimes you have these crazy outlier weeks like like this one where he gains nine at the Northern Trust or you know five at the Wyndham. Didn't need to do that last week, so hoping that this number right here, which I'm circling, is six strokes gained off the tee last week. That is you know by far his best tournament since ever, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe ever. Now keep in mind uh, the WGC with the altitude. This is this is jacked up. But even if you take a couple of shots off of it, uh, it's still one of his better performances in, in, in recent memory. So if he found something off the tee, gets a little confidence, uh, keeps hitting the ball well, because his approach game was also you know one of his best since the U.S. Open, um, this might be a good spot for Billy to kind of to keep it going a little bit. Next range, $88,000 range. And I have to admit, there is a guy at $8,800, which I'm a little nervous to talk about. Because I think this might be pouring some salt into the wound for some of you. Uh, but Ben On 
is so intriguing. And bear with me for a minute here as I try to describe why. Um, I'm gonna pull up this tool here real quick. This is I'm I'm in the process of redoing the um, historic strokes gain tool. This is kind of what I've been working on. Don't, this is not live on the site yet. I'll push it live eventually. But what what it's gonna allow you to do is um, not only see historic strokes gained um, by player, tournament, year, whatever, but also by round, so that you can kind of see. And this is a really good illustration for for Benny on. So let's just let's just sort by his recent starts here so here's wgc mexico where i think everyone will remember this six shots that he lost putting over the course of the week now remember that if we just sort by the first round uh he lost 6.3 in round one alone I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I went back and looked. I've got like 50,000 rounds in my database. This was like the 15th or 16th worst round ever of putting. Um, probably not going to happen again. And then when you go back and look at it from just rounds two, three, and four. So after that, he gained nearly four tenths of a shot. So, I mean, that's as very average as you can get, but that's what you want to see from Ben on. Like be average, right? Be an average putter. And then you look at, his T to green numbers. And even if you go to his T to green numbers for the entire week, he gained seven shots T to green, which would have been, I believe 10th in the field last week at WGC Mexico. And despite losing a historic amount of strokes uh, in round one putting, he finished 29th in this event. So what I think a lot of people are going to remember are the internet jokes, the Twitter jokes about Benny on losing six shots putting and they're not going to realize that he actually played pretty well after that, okay? Rounds two, three, and four, and he played great tee to green all four rounds. So, like, don't forget about that. And then if we pull up uh, Benny at just the Honda Classic, which he's played twice, last year he finished 36th, losing five and a half shots putting, and then he finished fifth two years ago. Um, both weeks he gained eight between eight and a half and nine strokes putting or i'm sorry whoa, whoa whoa that's not what i meant between eight and a half and nine strokes tee to green so he likes it around here it's just a matter of if that putter is going to catch fire or if it's just going to be average which it was for the last three rounds of the wgc mexico so i'm i'm buying back in i, I think he's burned a lot of people and you are all going to forget about him and you're going to move on when i see hey there's blood in the streets let's buy a little bit of property all right, continuing down here, the rest of the 8,000s uh, really doesn't do all that much for me. I'm not a burger guy. You know, he's got back-to-back -to -back top 10s, uh, you know, whatever. Um, he hasn't done that since 2016. I'm, I'm not super stoked to play him. I saw a little JT posts and stuff. Eh, he's fine. Again, not that thrilled. I always love Corey Connors just because of the ball striking. He's so good tee to green. You can see he gains nearly a, a shot and a quarter just on those two facets now the closer he gets to the green the more the more trouble he gets into but he's always going to show up um johnny vegas at 7900 catches my attention for a, a couple of reasons first of all i don't know if, how many of you were watching much of the puerto rico open i think you caught that uh victor hovland won it which is awesome uh but johnny vegas goes out shoots a 10 under 62 on sunday which i believe is his best career round ever don't quote me on that but pretty close uh, round of the day and these guys are such creatures of habit like if they catch one thing one swing thought one movement 
it can keep him going for days, weeks, months, years. And if if Johnny Vegas caught something in that final round, 62 in Puerto Rico, I want to know about it. Uh, but also, even if you look outside of that, the results haven't been necessarily great for Johnny Vegas. But this is something that I tweeted out a little earlier, and I want to I want to demonstrate this. Um, around PGA National, I certainly expect strokes gained off the tee to be pretty critical. Uh, the fact that you can hit your ball in the water on your tee shot on many holes, uh, you know, you got to be pretty exact around here. So when I look at Johnny Vegas, I knew he was a good off the tee player. I knew that, but I didn't really know how consistently good he was. So I was just kind of scrolling through here and I was like, oh my God, Johnny Vegas has gained strokes. These green numbers gained strokes off the tee in 19 of his last 20 measured starts. That's insanely consistent. Now, when you compare that to Rory, obviously Rory gains much more, like Rory gains almost twice as many strokes, but he does it in a similarly consistent way as Johnny Vegas. Rory's actually gained in 19 of his last 21 starts. Johnny Vegas has been a little bit better, a little bit more consistent. Again, different amounts of numbers that we're talking about, but Johnny Vegas, very good off the tee, might have caught something in his final round in Puerto Rico that that could translate to this week here at Honda, and that gets me a bit excited. When you get down below Johnny Vegas and you get into the 7,000s, um, this gets much more difficult. Lee Westwood, not very sexy, but he can kind of grind it out, 7,800, coming off a 22nd in WGC, hasn't played here since 2015, but it was a top 25. It's interesting. Okay, uh, Harold Varner III, I suspect, will draw a lot of this ownership. You can see he's one of the very few guys in this range, if the, not the only guy, I guess Brian Harmon as well, who gains strokes in all four categories. You know, he had that high profile, you know, got to the top of the leaderboard at Genesis before topping one on 10 and then and then fading. But it was four miscuts before that. I will I, to me, I think that's a little bit of bad chalk. I, I'll probably stay away from Varner. You know, I could easily pivot to. You know, even a Russell Knox or someone like Jason Kokrak, who had a ninth place finish last year. I'm not super excited about any of them, but I don't think I want to pay up. I don't think I want to be on the chalky guy in this range, really, no matter who it is. Uh, it gets really bad after that. Um, Harry Higgs is back. We haven't seen him in a while. I suspect he's going to be pretty popular. Uh, you know, 18th at Pebble, 25th at the Waste Management, 9th at the Farmers. Uh, I suspect he's going to be pretty popular here. I, I wouldn't even mind someone like, um, I'm always a sucker for Doc Redman because of these two numbers right here, off the tee and approach. Gains nearly, what, 1.2, 1.1, 1.2 strokes um, uh, on ball striking. He's, he's such a solid ball striker. Or even K.H. Lee, who, back-to-back top 15s, I understand one of them was at the Puerto Rico Open, but he finished 13th at the Genesis, finished 7th last year. He, he pops, right? His finishes are... Uh, I'll read them from most recent back 14th, 13th, missed cut, missed cut, 21st, missed cut, fifth, missed cut. So it's like, you're getting a top 20 from him or he's missing the cut, um, which is an intriguing option in, uh, GPPs, obviously, right? He's, he's someone I'm not going to play. I mean, I don't play cash games. Uh, but if I did, I would not, I would not put him in my lineup thinking that he was a consistent option. He's someone that I would take a flyer on. Then you go even lower, and it's pretty pretty slim pickings around here. Um, I'm looking for I'm looking for skill sets. I'm looking for recent form, maybe a little bit of 
of decent history around here. Um, even someone like like a, a Joseph Bramlett, so he, a very good approach player compared to his peers down here. Ninth place finish in Puerto Rico, 18th at Pebble, 51st at Genesis, so at least he made the cut in that super, super tough field. He's only $6,700. Um, he's made, what is that, five of his last six cuts? couple of top 20s in there like i'm i'm okay with that i don't i don't hate that i i'm probably going to try to make my lineups in a, in a situation where i don't have to go very low here because you're starting to get into some of the the bottom barrel guys on the tour um some of these euro guys who we don't know much about who are coming over and 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 starting up their um you know this time of years when they come over and start playing a few more tournaments so it's a lot of miscuts it's a lot of bad play it's a lot of uh strokes lost down here in this range. So I probably won't go any lower than 67 is Bramlett. You could probably talk me into, I mean, Ted Potter loses so many strokes off the tee, but you could probably talk me into someone like a Ted Potter Jr. and see how that goes. But I'm going to try a possibly a more balanced approach so that I don't have to deal with that bottom of the board. All right, that's it. Hansa Classic Week. DFS Open Week. It is going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I hope you enjoy and best of luck. See ya.